Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1. Thank you for checking us out this week. This week's topic, Top 5 Comics to Read in the Dark. Now, I know what you're thinking. Stephen, didn't you guys just do this, like, a couple of weeks ago? And that's true. And if you go to our Discord server, there's a link in the show notes. We hope you do uh, join us. You will see a posting from uh, Matthew's college roommate, Carl, who said that, uh, you know, there have been single episodes where Bruce Otter has done uh, single episodes. There has been uh, episodes with Dan Patrice, who does a single-person episode. But the last time we did the top five comics to read in the dark, it was the first time that Stephen ever hosted a show solo. So, we're going to bring back this topic again, but with a twist. So, (sighs) Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, My number five comic to read in the dark is bone mm, okay hmm. uh, bone, yeah bone uh starts out pretty happy and pastoral but uh pretty soon some uh, dark stuff starts showing up and that's uh, you know if, if you think about stuff you want to read in the dark you kind of want that you want that slow start uh, into kind of like a never-ending story type vibe you know, like where like things are scary, but it's still kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 the protagonists are still bright, uh, you know, and, and, and childlike. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, the reason why it's my number five bone is a great book, but oh, yeah, it's sure. a, it's a colossal book. It is. So you don't want to read in the dark for very long. Otherwise you're going to get really bad eye strain because <laughs> it's, it, it's a lot to read in the dark. Yeah. Or if maybe uh, if you've got a, a really boring book, maybe that's what you read in the dark to help you go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But Bone is definitely a good a good book. Matthew, what is your number five comic to read in the dark? Well, I started thinking about this and why would I be reading in the dark? Um, so I actually came up with five comics, but each has a different reason that I'm reading them in the dark. And my number five not surprise me. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. And the reason I choose Deadly Hands of Kung Fu as a comic to read in the dark is it's an old school, black and white, oversized comic. So it's high contrast, it's larger than your average book, and it's freaking phenomenal. I mean, you're talking about some of the greats of the Bronze Age. It's some of the earliest work from George Perez. Uh, It's got the first appearances of Iron Fist. It's got some of the first appearances of uh, Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. You'll see guys like Jim Starlin and Walt Simonson on art. You'll be able to read stories from people like Jerry Conway. You'll be able to see early Chris Claremont back before, you know, everything turned into X-Men for him. But most importantly, you'll be able to read some really fine and, uh, if I do say so myself, relatively expensive and hard-to-find comics. So I do recommend that you get the original, and I hate to say this, but you get the original expensive books because they're bigger, see? And while you're reading in the dark, you'll be able to see them, and you won't get the eye strain that Rodrigo was worrying about, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have uh, top fives this week, obviously, because I did it last time when I was here, and the others <laughs> were not. But as I went over to our Discord server, I said, hey, you guys, how about you guys participate in this? And so Lagna says... Carl Camp, or I guess it's Champagne, maybe? Issue 1 from 2016, The Devil's Coach Driver. My friend kickstarts and publishes these comics a bit in the vein of Nordic the Phantom with a bit in the vein of Nordic's The Phantom with a lot of supernatural happenings. And then there's Carl who says, Cycle of the Werewolf. This one uh, stretches the definition a bit, but it's a Stephen King novella profusely illustrated by Bernie Wrightson, and it's legitimately terrifying. 
It's also probably the most valuable book I own, as my favorite aunt gave me a first edition copy for my high school graduation. And then finally, in the number five category, we have Jarmo, who says, one of the creepiest comics I've ever read and never forgot was the one Spider-Man story where he was on a weird flying ship with this girl and fighting some gross shape-shifting monster like from The Thing. I was six or seven at the time, way too young for that stuff. It still gives me the creeps. So from our Discord, there are some of the number five picks for the top five comics to read in the dark. Let's jump over to number four. Rodrigo, what do you have for number four? Uh, my number four is uh, The Long Halloween. Uh, yeah, Batman, good The Long Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, uh, not because it's a particularly scary book, but because it's a very atmospheric book, right? So yeah. you, uh, you can match your surroundings or, to a certain degree, erase your surroundings by reading this comic in a dark room with you know, an adequate source of light to illuminate the comic. Because you got to watch out for eye strain, mm -hmm. but um, but yeah, definitely the long Halloween with its kind of like flat uh, colors and uh, great illustrations and sort of like moody um, mood uh, is 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 something that I would definitely enjoy reading in the dark. All right, thank you for that, Rodrigo. Matthew, what do you have for your number four? Well, my number four is a book that I would read in the dark. Because I'm afraid of the people who would see it and want to talk to me about it. And that book is from Chick Publications, the same people that fill the bus stations of the United States with the Chick tracts, explaining why we're all going to H-E double hockey sticks. But it is actually a comic book with an ongoing story and two heroic protagonists, Jim and Tim who are very 70s. Uh, one of them is a former uh, secret, super secret agent. And the other one is a, a, uh, a black man who talks in the way that you expect a 70s black character to talk. But the two of them together are the Crusaders. And I wouldn't say that it's a good comic necessarily, but it's a fascinating comic because it starts out as sort of a not quite superhero equivalent of what you would get from a standard chick tract. Jim and Tim are out to save people's souls from whatever it is their problem is using their powers of green berets and street smarts. And when they get to the point that, you know, bad things happen, sometimes they have to do an exorcism. Sometimes they have to fight off evil cults. It's actually kind of interesting to see what exactly the creators thought comic book readers were into. Now, near the end, it does fall apart because they get involved with a real-life person, um, a gentleman named Alberto, who I believe, and again, I'm, you know, I'm just speaking in, a, in no way legally and no way libelously, whom I believe may have been involved in some hinky real-life stuff. Uh, but uh, after that point, the book just sort of spirals down into the same thing you get from a chick track. But again, if you get a chance to read The Crusaders from uh, Chick Publications from the 70s, first of all, you're one of the lucky weirdos who hangs out in the back, back rooms of comic shops. So uh, welcome to the club. And second of all, only read it in the dark because the kind of people who will be excited about it will scare you. Trust me. There you go. All right. Uh, in our number four category, again, from Lagnus, Carl and Lagnus, I think, have one for every category. But from Lagnus, he says, Dylan Dog, I can't really say any specific issue. Just don't get the U.S. version with without Groucho Marx in it. Uh, Rodrigo, I think you've read a lot of Dylan Dog, right? So maybe you know what he's talking about. I've, I've read some Dylan Dog. It's actually kind of 
you, you have to really search for it. Uh, my parents brought me back some Dylan Dog in the original Italian. So, um, nice. of course, I don't, I don't read in Italian. So it's, I just assume, like, I just make up what he's saying. There you go. Which has All been right. very entertaining for me. Yeah. Your audio got a little scratchy there, Rodrigo. Why don't you unplug and plug back in? Well, I read Carl's number four, which is Wasteland. This late 80s horror anthology from John Ostrander and Del Close is filled with disturbing and darkly funny stories that push the boundaries of comics at the time. It's never been collected in a trade, but the individual issues can usually be found in dollar bins. They're well worth tracking down. So that is a good one in the number four from Carl and Lagnus. All right, we're going to jump over to number three. And Rodrigo, let's see what you have for your number three. Uh, My number three is uh, Runaways, Volume 1. And I think that this is a good one to read in the dark, maybe in your bed with like the covers over your head and like a flashlight. Um, And to, to sort of put yourself in the mindset of the protagonists who are like very, very young teenagers, right? They're like 13, Mm -hmm. uh, except for one of them who's like 10. Um, And uh, yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns. The characters are, uh, disobeying their parents. And so if you read this in the dark, um, you know, after your bedtime, uh, you know, under the covers, you get that sort of sense that like you are also disobeying your parents by reading this by now, probably 20 year old comic, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good comic. Yeah. So there you go. All right. That is your number three. Uh, Matthew, what is your number three? My number three is the kind of comic that you might read. Uh, but you might be embarrassed about. But you'll be less embarrassed about reading Larry Wells' Cherry Comics than you would most comics of a super, super adult nature. And the reason for that is that they are quite good. I actually uh, accidentally bumped into these books long after I had been reading comics. A friend read two things in comic book form. He read Ninja High School, of which he had every issue, and then he read Cherry, which was originally called Cherry Pop-Tart. Now, Here's the thing. I am not recommending this comic. I would not recommend this comic. This is a pornographic comic book. So if you feel like you go out and you read it, that is all. That's up to you. That's a discussion between you and your rabbi. I have nothing to do with it. But I will tell you that if you are going to read in the dark a comic of this nature with these adult themes, this one's really funny. It's genuinely well done and it's genuinely kind of joyful in the way the main character goes about and then has senseless adventures that all end up in the SEXs. But again, it's another comic that sometimes is hard to find. I think it's probably still in print because I know that they kept putting out new printings of the 10 or 12 issues of it that I had seen. And they would occasionally pop up at the comic store and under no circumstances was I allowed to purchase them for the store because then we couldn't sell them. But if you, as an adult person, want to read such comics in the dark cherry pop tart my number three is definitely one way to go all right lagnus says love hurts by kim w anderson i like this quirky comic strip and then uh carl says arkham asylum a serious house on serious earth grant morrison writing dave mckean on art it's pretty close to a perfect comic book story for me and it's the one on the list that best rewards rereading in fact i'm planning on rereading again tonight And I think that would have been a couple of weeks ago when he actually did the post, not when I'm reading his comments and most certainly not when you, dear listener, 
or listening to the comic. So Carl has already <laughs> reread this by the time it has gotten to your ears. Maybe twice. Carl's a fast reader. So Love Hurts and Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth from Lagnus and Carl. Those are their number threes. We are starting to crack into the top two. And Rodrigo, you get to lead us off with your number two on this list. Uh, my number two comic to read in the dark is uh, a comic that has a very scary atmosphere, that has some spooky situations, and that is very high quality throughout. So almost any volume that you pick up of it will be a good comic to read in the dark. And that's, of course, Hellboy, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Hellboy, classic, gothic, sort of uh, horror adventure comics, I would say. Um, a lot of the time, it's not that scary because the protagonist is himself a supernatural entity. So you, you, you don't necessarily feel the powerlessness of horror, um, but it's still good and there's still monsters and every, the, everything that happens is, is pretty creepy. So uh, it's a good time to read in the dark. Excellent. Matthew, what is your number two? My number two is the kind of book that you read in the dark uh, because... Maybe the book isn't that good. Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you don't need to see the book. And that's why my number two is all 18 first issues of Youngblood. Now, that would be Youngblood 92, Youngblood 95, Youngblood 98, Youngblood 2008, Youngblood 2012, Youngblood 2017, Youngblood Battlezone, Youngblood Strikefile, Youngblood Bloodsport, Youngblood Genesis, Youngblood X-Force, Youngblood Imperial, X-Force Youngblood. Youngblood Special Edition, Youngblood Super Special Edition, Youngblood GT Interactive Ultra Game Player Special Edition, Youngblood Yearbook, and Team Youngblood. I did not make any of that up. But if you want to know about the adventures of a character named Shaft, who is not played by Richard Roundtree, Samuel L. Jackson, or the gentleman who plays Samuel L. Jackson's son, I mean, you could probably do worse than Youngblood, but I mean... Sometimes you just you just got to suck it up and read a bad comic and enjoy it and have fun. So, okay, uh, Lagnus says his number two is the Phantom Castle of Evil issue two from nineteen eighty eight. The Phantom and the Brothers Grimm fight werewolves. Scary enough for me. And then Carl Ooh. says uh, Sandman number six twenty four hours. This is the most disturbing single <clears throat> issue of a comic I've ever read. Recently, when Twitter was asking about comic moments that live rent free in your head, the first one that came to mind for me were from this issue. The story serves to showcase the depravity of the villain, but also echoes that re uh, th that also has echoes that repeat down through the rest of the series. Sandman is a masterwork, and this is it at its best. Ooh, good one, Carl. Such All a right, issue. we have uh, done two through five. Now it's time for the top of the stack, and we got a couple of uh, other entries jumping in in the, in our number ones. We'll get to them a little bit later. But first, Rodrigo, please tell us your number one comic to read in the dark. My number one comic to read in the dark, uh, we did relatively recently uh, on the Major Spoilers podcast, and that's the new 52 Animal Man. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know which volume of Animal Man that is, but uh, it's the Lemire and the, the, the Foreman. Travel Foreman, yeah. Yeah. The, the Lemire and Foreman uh, Animal Man, which is extremely creepy. Um, the art is uh, really kind of some of the best uh, comic book body horror I've seen. Um, it is both 
uh, gross and also very sort of thematically interesting and uh, fun. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, man, I'm blown up. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely, if, you, uh, if you're alone in your house, turn off all the lights, get a flashlight, read Animal Man, uh, you will... Even if you immediately stand up and go flick the light switch, you are going to see stuff out there that is going to freak you out, man. Nice. Everybody loves a good freak out. Uh, Matthew, what is your number one? It's interesting that Animal Man is Rodrigo's number one because my number one is the book that made Animal Man what he enjoys about it. My number one, you read it in the dark because it's super, super scary, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing where we discover that Swamp Thing isn't just a big green dude, but is in fact a, a, an Earth elemental. He's not a human being. He's never been a human being. Then he goes on this weird trip that takes him through the dark side of the DC universe, features the first appearance of John Constantine. It features these really creepy stories. And of course, the underlying love story of Swamp Thing and Abby, uh, who are as happy as a cucumber and a nurse can be in their little relationship. And as you get through it, it has one of the most beautiful comic issues I've ever read, and it's a fill-in, uh, where they actually build a story around the original first appearance of the original Swamp Thing from back in 1973, 73 rather. but they build it into the storyline, make it an intrinsic part of the Swamp Thing story, and somehow make it even cooler more complicated but also more nuanced and deeper and then of course you get to the point where they're literally fighting everything in hell and the leader of hell turns out to be anton arcane so that's creepy but you know swamp thing is one of those characters that people kind of sleep on but when you think about it he's had two successful movies he's had two successful cartoons he's had a television show when they relaunched the new 52 he was one of the big high profile characters and this is the run that made Swamp Thing into what Swamp Thing is circa 1984. So definitely read it. Read it when you aren't entirely alone in the house and maybe you want to turn on a couple of lights because it'll creep you right out. Well, the new uh, run on Swamp Thing is also getting big placement from, from DC Comics in yep. both their Infinite Frontier and their um, Future State uh, runs. Yeah. So yeah, Swamp, definitely... Thing, Swamp Thing's a good character. He's, mm -hmm. he's a good kind of a good linchpin character when you want to like do some weirder stuff with your universe. Yep, definitely. And you wouldn't have uh, animal man being in the elemental made of creepy, creepy meat. If you hadn't had creepy, creepy green before. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, here we go with our number ones from our discord server. Lagna says Donald duck Knight of the Sacrosinner and earners. I don't even know. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to spell it correctly by Marco Rota. Uh, he says it's dark in here. I want some Donald duck in a supernatural adventure without making me jump at shadows. So that's a Lagnus's Donald Duck Knight of the Saracenarinus. I think it's Saracens, but maybe he's got a lot of N-E-R, N-E-R, N-E-R-S's in there. Uh, Carl says Ghost Rider Volume 2, Number 15. The cover glows in the dark, so you don't need a flashlight. <laughs> then we have uh, Shane from Canada who says my number one is Creepshow. Even after 30 plus years, I can still feel the creepiness and horror of the book, especially the short story, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Varel. By the way, I believe it's pronounced Canadian. Maybe, but it says Canada. Uh, Jimmy comes in and says, he rounds out our top five this week. 
with, I thought I had Steven's number one figured out from the moment I heard comics to read in the dark topic. I was shocked, shocked to be wrong. His number one is a great choice, just not what I expected. I'll spoiler what I was expecting for anyone who hasn't listened to the episode yet, which I think would have been my number one or my number two, Lock and Key. So there you go. There you go. Uh, there are five comics to read in the dark from uh, from all of us, from me, from uh, Matthew and Rodrigo and a bunch of people over in the Discord. Now, I bet you're thinking, man, I wish Stephen would have read my top five. Well, I would have had you gone over to our Discord server and shared your top five comics to read in the dark. Everyone else would have read your list. I would have read your list. Everybody would be interested in your list. Why? Because everyone loves a list, and we will see you next time. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.